The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, a very excitable Macca19 this evening. And joining me, as always, we've got Fishing Rico 4. How are you, mate? Very, very good, buddy, and uh, I'm very excited as well. What a fantastic weekend it was. What a bloody brilliant weekend. Absolutely. And joining us for the first time on the podcast this evening is a, a long-time poster on our forum. We're speaking with Johns. Yeah, you how are you? Very, very good. What a fantastic yeah, weekend. I can't get the smile off my face, honestly. You little ripper. The hoodoo is over. <laughs> the voodoo. Is it, is it a bit early to say the, the hoodoo's over after one game? Absolutely it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's done. over. It's done. It's buried. It's gone. Let's never speak of that last seven years ever again. Yes, well, that's, that's true. can't remember the last seven years. What are you guys talking about? All right. As we do every time with new people on the podcast, let's find out a little bit about your background, Johnson, and uh, how you became to become a uh, Port supporter. Uh, I into it by the family, but, you know, don't, best thing they've ever done, really. So, yeah, dad, mad port, mum, mad port, and didn't really get a choice. But, yeah, and we were going well when I was young, 01 to 04, so jumped on and don't regret it. Beautiful. That's the way. And uh, what's your favourite match? Um, favourite match? Oh, oh, 04 prelim. I was on the outer wing, and I was just, like, that was the day I was like, crap, Port Adelaide means so much to people. Like, mm. I'm old man, like I reckon I was me and him had a bit of jokes about the game, and he did with my dad. I mean, one he just picked me up crying. And I was like, oh, bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> it was a great game. Absolutely. Oh, Roger one. James. And, oh, yeah, one of the biggest games in life history. Yeah. And what about your favourite player? Uh Westoff. Westoff. Or Jonas. Oh, yeah, Westoff. Little forward plank that can go on the rock myself, so you know, just like him. Yep. Fair enough. Good call. Wish I can't grow his beard though to save myself. <laughs> <laughs> that beard's out of control too, isn't it? Oh, I watched the uh, semi-final for Geelong the night before we played them, and that beard was nothing like the, the growth in that preseason beard. Remarkable. All right, let's go on to our love and hate. Fire up, lads. One thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around the Port LA Footy Club this week. Rick, I oh, will start with you, buddy. What did you like, mate, mate? Well, I've been crying out for a long time now, Macca, for our experienced mids to stand up collectively in a game. And uh, it was great to see Kane Corns, 33 possessions, Travis Boak, 32, Hamish Hartlett, 29. Brad Ebert, 28, but it's not just about possessions. It was just their, um, their influence around the whole game, be it defensively, offensively, smart decision-making, and they all gelled together, all stood up in the leadership group as they all are, and uh, they were the big driver for us getting the win. And, and I'm sure, or I'd be positive, that uh, Ken Hinckley would have been imploring them pre-game to stand up, and they stood up and they delivered. What about your hate? 
Uh, my hate, uh, as I said to you earlier, I'm, I'm really struggling with the hate this week. I'm, I'm pretty happy with every, all things football this week, but uh, I've gone and nitpicked out Stevie Johnson. I, I thought, and it was made reference to on the forums today as well. Uh, I thought it was pretty poor form for him to go up to an umpire telling an umpire to report Kane Corns for staging when Steve Johnson's one of the biggest stages going around. <laughs> And I'm pretty Definitely. pretty sure uh, he had a few uh, yeah. stages last week against Hawthorne. So yeah. I think for someone like him, he should probably really be keeping his opinions to himself and uh, and not casting too many stones. That's right. Agree with that one. Johns, what about you, buddy? What was your love and hate? Uh, love was Mr. Bobby Carlisle. Honestly, oh, he's run from full back and he went toe-to-toe with Hawkins and Ken Hinkley said he'd look forward to it. And I was like, would you? Would you? He's one of the best forwards in the comp and... Oh, I just held him well. I'm like, Hawkins still good. He's two or three, but every time there was a contest, Carlo was running out in front, and I was like, "Ah, oh, Berjo, don't harm." Oh. I just wanted to give Carlo and Berjo a hug. Like, there was a wink. There was a play on the western wing. I reckon Carlo got three touches in the space of thirty seconds, and Trango killed it with a out of bounds on the full. But oh, at a pad, I love him. Big love for the week. Great call. Some of those plays. What some of those plays where he had the courage to run off um, uh, Hawkins and, and get up as the third man and make those spoils, you know, very courageous and, uh, you know, they're game-changing moments, those ones, and it was great to see him uh, with that confidence and on the on his Twitter sphere, people were wishing him luck and saying run straight lines and that's what he did, wasn't it, boys? He ran straight lines. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's way to... You used to you know, get too early and you're like, oh, well, Carlisle's going to have a bad kick on him, but he kicks one, kicked on him, he goes, oh, well, that happened and... Moves on. That's it. Now, what about your hate? Um, bit fickle, but you know, in a great week for footy club, I had to go fickle. Was um the uh, cheer squad, the main cheer squad that we with the clapping for not giving in. We they killed it way too early with their random cheers, and then we like all of the eastern side started cheering as well. Like, oh, here they are, good. And that awesome clap we had just died, and it, it tried to start again. That's what I understand. I was like, nah, not doing it. Refusing. <laughs> you killed it. <laughs> That is they fickle, did. but I, I will agree. It's sort of everyone started clapping. You thought, you beauty, here they come. And then 30 seconds later, they you know, they ran out. It was a bit weird. But they did start a couple of awesome power chats, though, during the game. Hmm. But there was one, I think, in the third quarter where um, they really got most of the crowd yelling yeah. out power. And uh, and if we just extend on from that, hey, I don't know what you say in there, Johns, but... Uh, you know how it's been made reference to by nearly everybody, but how great was the crowd atmosphere last night? It was just fantastic being there, and everyone put in a hundred percent to try and get the boys up. And God, it was fantastic. Yeah. Was there actually a siren? Am I cutting I your lunch one. here, Macca? You're cutting my lunch, big time. Right, I won't say anymore. I won't say anymore. All right, <laughs> I kept my mouth shut. No, well, I can't wait till finals there, boys. Finals there. If that's forty-seven thousand against. You know, it's a Sunday twilight. Imagine Saturday night final prelim. Now, my love and hate for the week. My love, it's got to be Youngie, Aaron Young. He copped the most ridiculously hard hit to the face um, in that third quarter. It looked like he'd been knocked out. Um, he really struggled to get up. I don't think he actually moved for about 30 seconds. I thought, well, it's a stretcher case. He's gone, you know, sub him off. He sort of hobbled off the field. He looked gone for all money. Five minutes later, he's back on the field, and I thought he played an absolutely ripping last 30 minutes, even though he muffed up the easiest shot on goal in the history of the game. Doesn't matter. I thought that was exactly what Port Adelaide's all about this weekend. You know, be brave, 
He was absolutely brave. He went back on and just had a ripping last 30 minutes. Good on him, I reckon. I reckon that hits probably hit the post. But let's let's go with that, eh? Yeah, definitely a, a little bit of concussion there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> bit of double vision. You can't blame him. <laughs> and my hate, as you sort of half mentioned a moment ago, it's got to be the siren and the sound system. I don't know what happened, but it's gone from being the best bloody sound system in the Southern Hemisphere to sounding like something you'd expect out at Norlunga. Um it just was noticeably quieter. Even all the, the pre-game entertainment and the songs and the you know all that sort of stuff, it was much quieter than the previous two weeks. So I'm not sure if they had some complaints about that. But my main beef was about the siren. I sit dead centre, ground level, on the wing, and literally could not hear the quarter-time and half-time siren at all, which is staggering for, for where I sit at the ground level. Um, the only way that I knew that the quarters ended was actually seeing the bench guys walk onto the field. I thought, well, what the hell's going on here? Oh, it must be half time. So I don't know what was going on there, but you know, to have a, a siren that quiet, I'm not sure what it was like um, in the Southern Stand or anything like that, but in the members, you literally could not hear it at all. Southern Stand, no. I didn't hear it once. No, I didn't. Well, I heard it in the third quarter and the last quarter. I heard quarter. the third quarter, yeah, and that was it. I didn't even hear the opening one. We were, we were shocked that the game started. Well, let's get into the review. We finally bloody did it. We beat the hoodoo. The Geelong curse is over. We ran out very comfortable 40-point winners, 16 goals, 11 to 9 goals, 13. Chatty Wingard led the way with three goals with uh, Bokey, Robbie Gray, Hammer, Loby, and Whitey kicking two each. Uh, Johns, as the guest on this podcast, you want to give us a quick overview of the game? Um, yeah, sure. Just chuckling on me. No worries. <laughs> um, no, pretty much it was an absolute ripper game by Port. You know, like first quarter that we, you know, two guys clashed and they they want they had, they came out in front just and then second quarter I thought crap here we go they got they were getting points everywhere and I'm like we can't turn this West off down back already and they're still getting points we're gonna be in trouble when they start kicking straight and we settled and. We had a lead at half time that was yeah, your beauty. And then when we kicked the first one of the third, I thought, yeah, here we are. We've won this because no semi final replay. We've kicked the first of the third, and then we went again and again and again. Yep. And then from there, I don't know, I'm, yeah, it gets a bit hazy, but just tears were flowing. And Hart in the middle, and Bokey played a captain's game. And Lobie, 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 played a ripper. Yeah, Lobie played a ripper. Trungo did well. Like, it was a day where you just, at the end of the day, you say, look, old played well. Inby came on, got three touches. Best three touches I've ever seen from a star. <laughs> just about. One stage, I was like, we'll win about 10 goals here. But, you know, we missed a few set shots with Polek and uh, White. Can't, he's admitted that he can't kick a set shot. And I was like, let's see how he goes. And it was ugly. But, oh, well, we, <laughs> you know, 40-point winners. And everyone walks away happy. No, it was a it was a great game. Uh, I think we all know that, and uh, and you got to. Uh, I think uh, Mac had touched on it with Youngie, but you know the few things that I noticed was um, what about the hardness at the ball? It didn't matter if it was on on the ground, on the ground or in the air. Those those boys just were focused, beeline for the ball, nothing dirty. Just you know, and I can remember. Yeah, Jonas with that massive crunching tackle on Guthrie. Um, he also split. Split a few packs. 
Um, you had Loby come in and just slide in and split a few packs, and then you got Young's courage that you were talking about going for the ball. I mean, how noticeable was that? The difference. I mean, in the past it was really Dom and Logan that were doing that sort of behaviour, and now all the players are doing it. I said before the game in the preview podcast that I wanted maybe two main things, and that was accountability and bravery. I think we definitely showed lots of, uh, of both of those things. I thought we really choked their back line and didn't allow them to get any free players. We really forced them wide. Um, we all know Geelong like to play down the corridor, but we I can count on one hand the amount of times they went through the corridor on the weekend, I reckon. You know, we just kept them through the wings, um, really harassed their ball carriers, thought that was fantastic. And we were definitely brave. You know, I've already spoken about Youngie. Um, you know, we really stuck to our guns and, and played our own style of game plan. Um, we really opened up the forward line and dominated across that half forward line, which I was a little bit worried about. Um, we won heaps of the hard ball in the middle. You know, we, we just played with plenty of guts and lots of run, and we took the game on, had plenty of bounces, and uh, and came out on top. Absolutely, it's um, yeah, and it was amazing. I, I I thought it was you might have had a better angle than what I did because being right behind the goals at the southern end, it's a bit hard to pick up on it. But um, you know, quite often it was you could see that Geelong were trying to roll the dice. And uh, they had the extra men or men at the contest. And, um, you know, defensively, uh, again, we're going back to this repeated record where our structures were great. great. And even if they ran it out of the contest, they, they were just beaten when it came into the forward line. We, we had the players there to, to get the ball, defend the ball, and then rebound the ball and burn them on the rebound. Our switch work was also really well good. I thought that was best. Like, I thought Geelong, you know, they covered the switch very well, did it, did it well against Hawthorne. And, but there's numerous times when, yeah, fat side's open, there goes Brody, there goes Hammer, there goes Polak, Pillard, whoever. Brilliant. Did you notice that we seemed to, when we were kicking third quarter to the southern end, we seemed to have a different setup for switching. And uh, so if people, if we had the play on the eastern stand pocket, we had two guys in the defensive 50 behind the ball and then we had another two guys actually on the western wing. So we almost created a horseshoe uh, for the switch and so we already had the players there in advance to run the ball around in a switch and Geelong really focused with their players flooding on that eastern side and um, we, didn't take, we didn't take advantage of the switch. I thought it was available but it's a distinctly different pattern of structure that I've noticed in, in the past to setting up for that switch play and uh, I don't know if that's Phil Walsh's influence or Kenny Hinckley's influence but we're definitely starting to uh, structurally set up with different uh, different options and, and as you said Macker and, and Johnson's definitely showing in our game play we're uh, definitely moving the ball a lot better Unrewarded running, a lot of the time we switch it as well, I and mean, that would never happen under the Primus days. If we had a, if we had a runner, like an actual fast runner, and Pierce or whoever it was, we'd kick him nine times out of ten. But these times, tons of times when there's a runner, we're like, no, you're not the best option, kick to another runner. It's brilliant. I think the thing that impressed me the most was, I think, John, you mentioned it briefly in your review, was that um, we were really under the pump in that sort of first five to seven minutes of that second quarter. We just couldn't get it out of our defensive half at all. Geelong just kept peppering the goals. They were missing some easy shots at goal. I too thought, geez, you know, we could easily wilt here and suddenly find ourselves mm. five goals down pretty quick. Um, but we kept our guns. We soaked up that pressure. And as soon as the breakaway happened, we goaled from it. I think Robbie Gray kicked a goal. Um, and from then on, we never really looked all that headed. You know, you could almost sense the air being let out of Geelong's lungs there and then. 
where you, you kind of sense that they thought, well, we're on top, but we haven't been able to do anything about it. Damn, now we're suddenly two or three goals down. You know, we're going to find it pretty hard to get back into this. No, exactly. Like, they have been in the first and then in the second. I think, you know, the boys stood toll. And not all the points were, sure, there was a Vico directly in front should have kicked, even though that was in the fourth. But, some, yeah, shots, it's all good saying they kicked tons of points. But you've got to realise that half of those points were under considerable Adelaide pressure that, you know, we just haven't gave in years before. Mm. Bit of credit to Geelong too, though. I mean, I thought they were very clever in that third quarter. We got a we got a quick run on very early, and uh, and you could tell they really took the tempo out of the game and just really tried to you know get stoppages, control the ball, and you know and they did slowly work their way back into the game and and got a couple of, couple of goals and and brought the margin back and you know that's a, and that's an experienced side really you know trying to control the play um, to their advantage and I think what was great from our perspective is that you know that happened and then we responded whereas in the past we weren't responding and the teams would get a couple of goals and then all of a sudden before we know it that team would kick seven or eight goals whereas this is a a completely well structured outfit now and well coached and you know they got a couple of goals but we went hang on this ain't going to happen and we stood up and you know that the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter was just fantastic football and they couldn't keep up. Yep. We put them under a ridiculous amount of pressure. That's why they had so many turnovers and just couldn't get a clear run at it. You know, we all know that they like to get their running game going and when it is when it is going, it's really, really hard to stop. But we managed to stop their running game and that's, uh, that's something that not too many teams have been able to do over the last six or seven years. Hmm. What did you guys think of um, Jared Rivers on uh, Westhoff? I thought he did a pretty good job and really uh, nullified Westhoff. I thought Westhoff, at the same time, still created a contest in the forward line, brought the ball to ground, but he definitely lost a bit of his influence in this game. Rivers did a great job, but I also think that's another testimony to Port's big win, like when Schultz and Westhoff between them kick one. You know, Port Smalls and Mitchell has done well, but yeah, Rivers, hats off to him, did really well, and... But yeah, we're still support the ball to the ground, and that's all you can ask Key Forward to do, really. Now, Matty Loby, is that the best game we've seen from the Lobster so far? Definitely this year, absolutely. He's. Um, I've decided I'm not going to make any calls on Loby anymore until five rounds into the season, because obviously he's a slow starter to a season, and. Um, Last year was the same. This year is another one. And he's just starting to hit his straps now. But he's definitely a player that wants game time, isn't he? He just wants he wants to be the number one man and just wants all the game time. Yep. And how good is his goal back. kicking? Oh, Brendan Laydesk. Just laser-like. Just never misses. You can tell why he was a centre-half forward as a junior. Mm. He's, got a, he's got a pure kicking action, that's for sure. Mm. Please, please, Jared Redden, get yourself fit young man <laughs> because <laughs> a duo of Redden and uh, and Loby will be impossible for teams to counteract because they're both fantastic in front of goal and they're both very very good uh, tap ruckman I thought at the start of the game some of our boys looked a little bit nervous not as composed yeah. as say the, the showdown you know I thought the showdown they came out and they were very composed yeah. um, you know I thought there was a few players I thought Pittard was a little bit nervous I thought um, Jackson seemed a little bit nervous at the start in that first quarter and uh, it took it took us a little while to, to get our composure there. No, I 100% agree with that. That's one of the notes that I had was that we lacked composure, especially in the defensive half in the first quarter. Uh, we made a lot of errors and 
I know you love him, <laughs> Rick, but Jasper Pittard absolutely scares the <laughs> crap out of me whenever he has the ball for more than about three seconds <laughs> because yeah. he just overthinks it and something bad happens. Yeah, look, it was... Um, I didn't really see it because it was more at the northern end, but I think there was one where he sort of... He missed that bounce and sort yeah. of... And it and sort yeah, of ball went... Yeah, and, um, you know, so we were lucky. We got away with it, but that's what it was... Uh, Jackson had an error around that same time. Jasper had one, and, that, and I did. I did notice that, and I thought, "Geez, well, I better bring that up, otherwise I'll, <laughs> I'll get chastised for not being objective." And there was one. I think we were going to the northern end, so it would probably, I think it might have been the second quarter. Um, he was running out of defence with the ball, and he had a perfect opportunity to spot um, Brad Ebert up pretty much straight away, about 40 yeah. metres down the line, yeah. and he left it and he tried to run with the ball a bit much and then ended up having to sort of corral himself into that uh, the defensive pocket and then handballed it to a player to go out of bounds. So, again, it didn't hurt us, but those comments over the last few weeks about not taking the first option um, sort of came off there a little bit. But, I mean, as we've been seeing, his game is getting a lot better each week. His defensive aspects to the game are fantastic, the tackling. And he wasn't a lone soldier there with nerves. Um, but luckily we had, uh, you know, players like Tom Jonas and and uh, Bobby Carlisle and Jack Holmes. How good was he? Cool as a cucumber, that fella. As you were saying, Rick, about Lobie being a slow starter to a season, I reckon Jasper's the same, but in the in a match sense. He seems to always struggle in the first maybe 30, 35 minutes. But once he gets his head in the game, certainly his second half this year have been fantastic. Um, and again, I thought he really improved as the game went along. And I thought he was one of our best players in that second half. No, agreed. That's why I, you know I'm slowly becoming a fan. Don't make Pillar the sub because if he's going to take ten, fifteen minutes to warm up anyway, you don't want to waste that if he's wearing the green vest. No, true, very true. No, I don't think so. I think um, if anything, maybe just give him more uh, bench time, you know, in the beginning, and just let him, you know, let him burn the uh, the nerves out and bring him on the bench and then get him on and get a feel of the game. Um, but uh, as you said there, Johns, um, Ollie Wine's uh, pack work I thought was fantastic last night. Just the way he just crunched in, got the ball, was able to deliver and execute some uh, fantastic handballs. What did he end up with? 24 possessions, five kicks, 19 handballs, and mm. not many of those handballs would have gone to waste. He, he's just a beast of a player, as we keep saying, saying week in, week out. Might be a big call. But I reckon he's got the best handball I've seen since Greg Williams. That is a big call. I can't think of a player with his ability in contested situations just to find that little gap whilst being tackled time and time again to get the ball free and hit a Port Adelaide player on the chest with a handball. Like, it's just incredible. And he's only just turned 19. It's ridiculous. He'd be yeah, one of the best handballers at the club up there with Polek. But I don't know. I just think in the first quarter with uh, Ollie Wines and Steve Johnson, I think that's I think that's when we tuck away for the uh, big games. We say, look, Ollie Wines would get you a defensive player eventually. But I don't know if that happened in a final, and that you know that he had what eight touches, two goals, Steve Johnson in the first quarter compared to Ollie's fires. I just I don't know. I think Ollie's best footy is there's football, get football, break pack, Campbell out, rather than I'll just watch Steve play. Was Ollie Wines, Macca, you keep notes of matchups. Was Ollie Wines on Johnson in the first quarter? Yeah, he was. I don't think he was doing a defensive job. I think it was more sort of like you can go up against Stephen Johnson and try and hurt him the other way. 
Did he play on him the whole game? Because we, no, me and my son, no, no. we we thought after the second quarter, he's, he, Johnson really got locked down on a lot more than the first quarter. Did they switch players then? Yeah, Jonas spent yeah. Uh, considerable time on him. So they listened to our podcast from last week then, is that what you're saying? Definitely. They always do. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, because, again, behind the goals, sometimes it's hard to pick up on all those matchups. So, uh, yeah, because it was noticeable that Johnson really got away in that first quarter and we really had to tighten up on him because you just can't let him run loose. Yeah, just on still on matchups. I, just, I reckon, has there ever been a time where the subs been a tagger and then the person he's tagging has got better? Because in Travis Boat's case in that second half, I reckon when Hunt went on him, Boat got more for him. <laughs> well, probably. I mean, Taylor Hunt's not a fantastic player. <laughs> he's certainly mm. not at uh, Boakey's standard, but that's just about the best game I've seen from Boakey as well. Mm. I reckon he's uh, he's definitely overtaken Lenny Hayes as having the best uh, and certainly the most creative sidestep in the country at the moment. Mm. Well, he seems to keep his feet so close together, doesn't he? So he's very nimble on his feet when he's trying to do those um, pirouettes and uh, sidesteps. Very Franco-esque. Mm, no centre of gravity. I was um, outside of the players. I thought um, Ken Hinckley did a fantastic job once again. Um, you know, not only with the matchups, though, with his words. I mean, you know, there's obviously been a few uh, interviews with Ken this week, uh, th- today. And there was one on um, SEN, and there was also after the game last night. And, you know, he didn't shy away from top spot, and I thought that was fantastic. I'm, I'm all for it. He, he basically put it on the players now that they have to step up and try and defend it. And, um, you know, when a lot of people could have tried to downplay it, and I, I think that's great now that he's starting to put a little bit of pressure and a bit of heat and telling the boys, well, now it's time to step up. And, and uh, on SEN this morning, he... Uh, they basically said, you know, would you be uh, asking Young to handball that ball off next time to Wingard? And he said, no, I'll be demanding. Um, <laughs> you know, which they, they all had a chuckle. But, you know, and then uh, you had Waitley with 360 tonight talking about the pre-game and how the players just came in around him and it was just went all quiet. But they, they all listened. And, you know, obviously he is, he's just got those boys uh, their respect and their listening to every word that he says and they're doing exactly what he's doing and and I think he's got so many non-negotiables going with those boys and they're just executing. I think, you know, as we all know, it's blatantly obvious, but you know what a fantastic job he is actually doing. Job. I just also love to add to that, just how calm he is after every win. We just beat the team, he said later in an interview with Cam Mooney, the best team in the comp for 10 years, but the way he was walking down after from the box, it was like we had a draw. Just small smile and just calmly, elegantly walked down. No half fast any of the supporters. If that was a Choco win. We would have seen his jacket off. Yeah. Blasted, <laughs> arms in the air. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Choco would have done a lap of honour after that. Oh, <laughs> he would have brought him over to the western side three quarter time. I actually missed that, but he would have done it. Yeah. How good am I? But I think I think more important I think more importantly though he's calm in defeat too. Mm, definitely. So other when he's trying to punch Sean Hart, he uh, he's not losing his call, and uh, he his message is always calm. It's always efficient. It's always calculated, and uh, I I just notice those words. I mean him demanding um, team first football. 
um, and we've spoken about that goal already, but just the words that he's using are, uh, he's, he's a very smart operator and uh, we're very lucky that you know, he ended up deciding to come here and, and we got him because he's doing a fantastic job with the rest of the coaches. All right, well, Rick, uh, who were your best players, mate? Who were my best players? Well, flip a coin. I did take Travis Boak. I just thought offensively, um, you know, he was great. Uh, and probably and that's why I've just given him the nod over Kane Corns. Um, you know, I think I've probably neglected Kane a little bit this year because of his experience um, in the points. But uh, I thought Kane did a fantastic job. I've given Matt Loby three. Um, again, like we said, fantastic game from Matt. Uh, Hamish Hartlett, I thought he stood up, you know, kicked a couple of goals. Great influential game around the whole game. His second quarter was fantastic. And, uh, you know, and Ebert's very unlucky. <laughs> Only to be getting one point. But I thought Ebert, you know, once again, standing right up there. And, uh, and as Kane said today on the radio, you know, he's in All-Australian form and be very unlucky if he's not in the All-Australian team at this point in time. I think we have quite a few in the old Australian team, or well, two, two, and then we'd have several in the squad at this point in time. Yep. Yep. All right, John, so what about your best players, mate? Um, could be to send it all played well and then moved on, but probably best on ground I had Ebert. Well, I thought he should have got the medal, just his way early on. Did, did his, do your work early is one of the um, things that we've had a Crows fitness guy say to the um, flaggy boys, it was do your work early, so... I think Bradley did that remarkably well. So he's got minus two votes. Yep. And two votes goes to the skipper. Just played head to head with Selwood early on before Kane took him. Did a great job. I don't know. Like he could, he could have easily been on his long Guernsey and we would have lost that with 29,000 there if things were going differently, possibly. Mm. But did really well. And um, just love his run and his leadership. From where I see it, it's pretty high up. So I, you can see the arms point more than you can, I reckon, on a side on view. But yeah, I just love his leadership as well. And then the one vote for me sneaks to the um, lobster. You know, just two goals from a two goals from your ruck, and he also does well against two and a half other ruckmen. Does really well, and yeah, just deserves that one. But that one vote could have gone to twenty of the guys, to be honest. Absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, for me, it had to be Bokey best on ground. As I said earlier, I think he's overtaken Lenny Hayes as the best and most creative sidestep in the country. It's probably the best game he's played. You know, 32 disposals, two goals, nine clearances, 16 contested possessions. He did it all yesterday on the biggest stage. Um, fantastic leadership, as you said, John. Uh, just a fantastic player at the moment. Uh, Kane Corns, the resurgence of Kane over the last two and a half years has just been a thing of beauty for me. Um, I've always been a lover of Kane. Um, and it was just like 21-year-old Kane Corns going up against Simon Black in that 2004 grand final yesterday. 33 disposals. He kept Selwood to just 17 himself. That's just about the most perfect defensive game you can get on Joel Selwood. Um, Matty Loby third. You know, that's what we've been waiting all year for. Um, that was the absolute best of the lobster. Uh, just dominated the ruck contest. You know, was excellent around the ground. Two perfect shots on goal. Um, it was probably the most important game of his career, I think. Um, Homshi, I had as a fourth best on ground. How bloody good is he? He's just an absolute mainstay on our side for the next decade, you've got to think. Um, he's just so strong defensively, a wonderful spoiler of the ball. He closes space on his opponent better than anyone else in the league, I think. Um, and the thing that I love about him is just how cool he is with the ball in his hands. You can tell even, even when he's under pressure, he just looks almost laconic. 
Um, but you know, he's just going to hit that target every single time. He beat Bartel and Walker, two very, very different players. You know, such a fantastic game. And uh, fifth best on ground, it's got to be Ollie Wines. Just an absolute superstar at 19 and a half. The way he just controls games with his contested ability, his clearance winning ability, and also, without doubt, the best pressure handball going around. As I said, I reckon it's the best since Greg Williams. Just the way that he can pinpoint a gap through a, a group of flailing limbs and bodies and just hit that target time and time again is just incredible. Um, it's a fantastic ability to have, and uh, it's definitely going to see Wines he, uh, thought of as a superstar before too long if he's uh, not there already. Um, just a quick small one. Just our first time we really saw the uh, oval um, under lights. It looked really good. And um, But with the surface, there was a few times where Gray saw a hammer do it, and they just slipped. And I was wondering what like what's the deal there, if it's just a bit chewy with the night. But yeah, and a couple of bounces didn't come back up. It's just yeah, something to watch going forward, but went on the lights. Hmm. Well, I didn't think there was actually much due at all. I, I actually said to my wife well, in the car that um, I thought it was actually uh, a fantastic night for footy. Maybe, um, maybe, they, maybe you're right, though. The ground maybe did get a bit slippery. I know around that third quarter, you could feel the temperature drop, drop so maybe there was a bit of dew on the grass, but yeah. it wasn't noticeable by mist like you get at the old uh, Amy Stadium. Yeah. Um, but but, uh, yeah, maybe they might need to look at changing the studs. But, yeah, I, I agree with that. Under lights was just fantastic. And I actually didn't – I used to hate the Twilight Games at Footy Park, but I actually didn't mind the footy, uh, the Twilight Game at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, I thought it looked stunning. And lots of colour. I just love our colours at the moment. You know, even the uh, You'll Never Tear Us Apart going up on the uh, on the LED lights around the ground. Is that the first time they've had Never Tear Us Apart on the um, LED lights? Because that's the first time I noticed that, and it looked unreal. That's the best. Of, that's the best of anything on those light on those signs, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember seeing it in the showdown or in the Brisbane. Mm. All right, well, Rick, do you want to tell us a bit more about this uh, this competition we've got going? Absolutely, mate. We've had a lot of uh, interest so far, so it's been great to see um, plenty of people uh, getting out there sharing the podcast. Um, and tagging a friend. I've noticed uh, due to some of people's security settings, I'm not seeing all the all the shares um, when people are sharing it. So still share it, but please make sure you do tag a friend in it as well. So at least I can pick up if you share, share it and tag, I can pick up that you would have done it through the share. And, um, you know, there's still, what, two and a half weeks to go uh, before the draw. So you get the two locker room tickets, um, so today, this week, we had John Casey in the locker room. Uh, he interviewed Buddha Hocking, which was, and Buddha was fantastic. Um, and Angus Mumphreys came in before the game. You get free drinks up until the start of the game. You get free drinks at halftime. Uh, you can see into the players' change rooms. It, it, Mackie, you saw it last time. It's really interesting. So like I said before, all you have to do is just get out there and uh, and share the podcast and tag a mate in the pod- podcast and you'll go into the draw. And if you do more than one podcast, um, again, you'll, you'll go into the draw a couple of times. And, and in a few more weeks, we'll pull a rabbit out of the hat. Is that a for can't, a... Can't be is that tag a friend in a comment of the podcast or tag a friend when you share it? No, no, so you share it. They're two different acts. So share it and then in the yeah. comments... Uh, just tag a friend in the comments. And you'd be found on Facebook on the Poor Big Footy one or just the Big Footy one? 
spot on the money, mate. So if you go to, I've changed the domain or the URL of Bigfooty, so it's a lot easier for people now. So if you just go facebook.com forward slash Bigfooty, uh, that will take you to the Bigfooty page. Bigfooty Power, sorry. Thanks, Macca. Macca's also putting it up on the Twitter page, which is Bigfooty Power as well, isn't it, Macca on Twitter? Sure is. So you've got it up there as well. Um, get it on iTunes and get it on obviously the Big Footy page and I ran out of time but I'm also going to put it on the website as well so there's plenty of options in relation to getting to the download get around it sounds awesome absolutely I'm what a cracker of a game it's going to be I mean you know, I can't believe I can't believe I'm giving away the locker room tickets for the Hawthorne game I should have picked like Port versus Bulldogs or something so everyone's getting, everyone's getting a fantastic game to go to All right, well, on to our SANFL review. It was another 10-goal victory for the Maggies. They played West Adelaide on Saturday at Albert and Oval. They won 21 goals, 8 to 11 goals, 10. Uh, fantastic kicking for goal there. Uh, Johnny Butcher kicked five goals for the second time in three weeks. Ooh. He's in some pretty good form. Uh, Benny Newton, uh, just absolutely blistering form this fella's in. He kicked another three. Whilst uh, Mitch Harvey, Cameron Hitchcock, uh, Andrew Moore and Kane Mitchell kicked two each. Uh, it was a pretty tight game at halftime. There was only nine pinnets, uh, nine pinnets, nine points in it at the main break. Um, but Port Adelaide came out firing after halftime with a massive seven goal to nil third quarter, uh, which killed the game as a contest. And it's good to see players that are racking up consistent performances now. We spoke about Benny Newton last week, and again, another seven clearances, six in fight side 50s, three goals, 31 posies. Jeez, he's got to be pushing hard uh, for a spot, I'd imagine, this week. You've got to put him in. Yeah. Did anyone, did either of you guys see the game at all? No, I listened to it on the radio. Yeah, I've seen the YouTube highlights, but yeah, it looked good for just, I want Steve Summerton to win the Gary, just so a Port Adelaide player can win it who's not AFL listed, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, I only asked because, Macca, you were pretty critical uh, uh, last week about the um, about Butcher leading under the ball, not getting his leads right. It would have been it'd be interesting to get some feedback from someone that was actually there um, to, to see how... Uh, yeah, and how he's going with his leading in that game. But you can't complain. Five goals twice in three games. It's a, he, he's starting to get there. Well, I think it was the same story with Butch where he, he really, really struggled in the first half. He only had one kick to half time again, uh, mm. which was the same story against Glenelg. So he's getting all his goals in the second half when the heat's out of the game, which I'm not sure is a fantastic well, thing. But in the end, he's kicked, what, 10 goals, three in, in the last three weeks. It's a pretty good, pretty good output. Yeah, but I think it was on um, CM Power who posted on the uh, Butcher thread about how he pushed <clears throat> Mitch Harvey and him swapped from the centre forward to the full forward role half time, and then he CM Power because I was asking on the book thread. CM CM Power also talked about how yeah he didn't see any real issue with um the reading the ball, but yeah I agree that's one of his main issues. But averaging ten goals every three games in Sanford will give the Ken Farmer a shake. Yep, definitely. Do you do you guys see? Um, I know this is for Thursday night, but do you think Newton's almost a must to come in after his performances now? I'm of the. I'm pretty confident that he has to. Otherwise, you know, we'll get someone will 
some other club will have to surely see what he's doing, see the circumstances in, and and say, look, Matty Whiting will call it. Do the uh, look, we'll give you more games. And look, he's 22, hasn't debuted yet. Sure, it's a long time, but yeah, I think it's time. We'll release the Newton. Otherwise, I reckon we might lose him. Yeah. Look, I think it's clear he's going to get games this year. For me, I definitely 100% would be bringing him in this week against GWS. He deserves a crack. He's in the best form of his career. Um, why not bring him in against GWS and see what he can do? Um, maybe drop Sammy Gray back for a week. Um, he deserves a go. I mean, there's not much more he can do. He's kicking goals. He's getting heaps of the ball. He's winning clearances. He's getting inside 50. Bring him in. It's Absolutely. Time. I agree. As a small warrior said late last year, it's the year of the newt, 2014. Yep. <laughs> Just do it. It almost sounds like you're imploring there, Macca. <laughs> I am. I want to see what he's got. I'm, yeah. I just want to see him in action. He was st- he was watching the end of the game outside the locker room, and I was watching it too to see who won the medal. And uh, I, wanted, I was going to tap him on the shoulder and said, it'll be your medal next year, mate. But uh, we both quickly scurried off before I could say it to him. But, <laughs> well, I'm very optimistic for Ben, and it wouldn't even be – it wouldn't surprise me if it's even there's been a conversation on the lines of, look, mate, just do your time, do your work, because there'll definitely be a spot for you, if not this year, definitely next year. Uh, we, we'd probably – I know Dom's been fantastic, but you'd have to think with the, the young depth that we've got in the side, surely um, we're going to have to make way – Dom for some one of these kids shortly. Otherwise, you're right, Johns. We might start losing some of these boys. And the key is at the moment our depth is putting pressure on, and we don't want to lose that if we can help it. No. And, uh, who, who do you pick though quickly? Just Moore or Newton for that Dom Cassisi inside midfield role? Well, you'd, you'd have to go on form at the moment, wouldn't you? You'd have to go Newton, but I'm pretty sure Moore will get a, he'll get a spot side in the side too. I mean, well, we've, we've been pretty lucky, haven't we? Normally, every team has a couple of injuries, and we're almost running a fully fit squad at this point in time. Um, you know, so the injuries are going to create opportunity shortly, and hope, hopefully for us, we don't have that problem. And you know, we do stay injury free, but you know, being in the land of the realistic, that's probably not going to happen. And we did have an injury in the Magpies. Sammy Calhoun did his knee. I, I don't think people know the, the, the extent of the injury at this point in time, but he did have a scan. Um, so that, that might be one person out of action for a little while, which is really unfortunate because he looked like he had great numbers too. So that's two weeks in a row he racked up good numbers. Yep. He's been in blistering form as well in the SA and has been un- unlucky not to uh, get a, a call up, I guess, but... Yeah, it would certainly be very, very sad if he has done his knee. It didn't look mm. all that good. Um, I guess we'll wait and see what the scan says. Yeah. I was actually thinking this week, I wonder if he could be um, a prototypal uh, for us next Kane Corns and uh, a bit of a runwood player that can play a lockdown role but also run off and get possessions because he, he gets the ball at will, doesn't he? And uh, he does. he's, got a sim- he's got a similar endurance to, uh, to Kane. I wonder if there's a bit of mentoring going on there between Kane and uh, Sammy C or if the club's thought about it. Yeah, you can definitely see that. No, I definitely, mm. yeah. Also, when Colton has a better kicking action, it'll be good to see. I think he's got a better one than Kane. Kane's worse, but it's ugly to watch. The other player that I want to mention was Darcy Byrne-Jones. That was by far his best game um, with his short career to date. 20 touches, 9 marks. Um, also had 4 inside 50s as well. Playing a little bit further up the ground 
than he has in previous weeks, more sort of across the centre line. Um, how do we see his improvement going on this year? Not doing everything he needs to do at this stage. Him and um, I know Carl Amon played pretty well last week as well, and they've both got on to play that small defender, can play midfield role, and they're just slowly developing and really they're yeah just biding their time well. That's it. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, they're they're not players that I was expecting to uh, see pushing for first. Uh, uh, first team performances this year so I mean all we can do is just look at them and see them develop in the SANFL and hopefully they keep posting up big numbers and uh, great influence and uh, yeah we just uh, hopefully they can keep putting pressure on in the next year or two That's it. The other one I want to speak about is Tommy Logan, almost the forgotten man in our squad at the moment he's racked up some huge numbers this year and even this weekend he had 31 touches and 16 marks where do we see mm. his uh, his future? Where do we see him fitting in? Who are you talking about again? Tommy Logan. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot he was on our list. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, what did, I mean, what did Russell Ebert Hamble say? He's uh, he's our May specialist. Yeah. Waiting waiting for the rain to come. Exactly. And again, right. you know, he's. Look, he looked pretty relaxed in the change rooms, to be honest. All the all the sub players did, but you know, he, he you know he was smiling, joking around with the team, and you know, all the reserves were pretty much there and in, enjoying the atmosphere and and looking on. And, and Tommy was really getting involved, from what I could see from the locker room window. And uh, yeah, he, you know, I mean, I was really impressed with Tommy last year, and he's just got to earn earn his time, I guess, doesn't he? And keep you know, he knows what to do. Just keep racking up performances and. An opportunity will present itself. Really looking forward to him playing against uh, Claire this week for the, uh, the young fella that that tribute game for the unlucky young fella. But yep. reckon it's really good boy, you know, Croy's first of all for initiating it, and now they go out and Paul saying, "Yep, no concerns, let's do it." They're expecting seven thousand there. What's compare that to a three thousand or four thousand? They only get for a league grand final at the venue. You ripper for the club and the community. Well, the club. Macca. Sorry, Macca might even be there this weekend. I think so. Mm, I, might is, head, I might be heading up. Is, uh, is royalty going to attend the Clare Masses there, Macca? <laughs> quite possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> Definitely go and do some wine tasting while you're up there as well. Well, Johns, thanks for coming on. No, no worries. It was a pleasure. Really good. You've done well, mate. Rick, as always, buddy. Yeah, thanks for putting up with my dodgy internet again. <laughs> Took a while to get going, but it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. It'd get there eventually. Go the power. Go the power. Go the Maggies. Port Adelaide. Maggies. forward again for Port Adelaide. No laughing matter for the Roos. Tread Ray. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, Tread.